Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of If I Only Knew. Today, I am once again joined by my fantastic co-host, Fred. Fred, say hey. Hello, listeners. Lovely to have you here again, as always, Fred. And today, I'm going to be picking your brains a little bit, I think, because uh, I'm in a life stage of transition at the moment. I'm finishing up uni this year. I'm looking to join the workforce more full-time. And, you know, this is something that happens for just about everyone um, of our age. And I think that uh, there might be something to be said about getting a bit of an insight into the uh tricks of the trade from someone like yourself, Fred. You've done a lot of work in a few different places. Um, you've seen a lot of people come into the workforce. You've seen a lot of people leave the workforce. Um, in fact, you've directly helped some people rejoin the workforce. Um, and I'm wondering what uh, kind of tips or tricks you might have picked up that be worth someone knowing in this early career stages. Now, I don't know whether that's uh, things you wish you'd known or things you wish you could tell more people, but I reckon that uh, I might be able to learn a thing or two about those kind of earlier early career sections, and I'd be curious as to whether your opinions still hold up in my perspective, given uh, the way the world has changed in the last little while. Matt, n- no truer words spoken. Let me give you my sagely wisdom and you <laughs> tell me if it still fits for you. You love so this topic, a- Fred, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do, and I do because um, I say often to people, don't worry about making mistakes because you won't make a mistake I haven't made. Uh-huh. So I get the chance to sort of impart some wisdom, but realising that the world's changing. So one of the things to set the scene for you, Matt, is when I started my work career, and it's literally 30 years ago, and boy, does that hurt saying that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I started working... So we can do the generational thing. I started working uh, at a point that was before you were born. Isn't yes. that nice to say? Just Matt, a little bit. <laughs> so the social norms were a little bit different back then. So you'd pull up to work. It would always be suit and tie. Mm. Um, there were certain rules. I had a friend of mine turn up to a job with a pocket. Uh, so he had a business shirt on and a tie, but it had a pocket. And his boss ripped the pocket off the shirt oh, on about his second gosh. day and said, engineers uh, have pockets to put pens in. You're not an engineer. Um, And I thought that was remarkable. Uh, I I remember having... So the way you dressed was really important Mm -hmm. and you were judged by it. And your employer, there was this old rule that you dress twice as well as the subordinates you have. So if you're the CEO, you spent a lot of time, energy and effort in the way that you looked if you were taking your career seriously. Alcohol and socialising was a big part of what you did with both clients and your colleagues. Mm. Um, The comments about workplace health and safety and gender, (laughs) very different times. So one of the things I learned about early career, and I'll talk about it both seriously and add some light and shade from a human perspective, is... First and foremost, one of the things we've talked about that you helped me understand is that early career for for a lot of young people is about experimenting. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily taking a job that's for life. And the idea when I started having a job was a privilege, not a right. Mm, mm. And there was an expectation of a certain amount of loyalty, even if you hated what you did. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So I had a whole group of people I knew and group of people older than me in professions that they didn't like because they were told working for a bank was a great career or being an accountant was a way of always feeding your family. Mm. I think your generation's got a bit of a different opportunity than that. But I would say this, one of the things you judged on later in your career is your stability. Yeah, yeah. So even if you don't like a job, there's two, two bits of advice I have. If you absolutely hate a job, leave sooner rather than later Uh 
But if you're not sure, stick it out for at least 12 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't be the person that has four jobs in a year in the first year of your career because it's not a great look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Doesn't mean it'll disadvantage you. And it doesn't mean that you won't change lots of jobs. And in my early career, I changed lots of jobs. Yeah. Secondly, the thing I think is really important is the way that you do one thing is the way that you do everything. Mm -hmm. So the way you conduct yourself in the formal aspects of work in meetings, the way you turn tasks in on time, the way you you know present yourself both personally and in written communication all matters to your employer. Mm -hmm. The way you speak, the way that you communicate, the way that you type, the way that you turn up, if you're 10 minutes late, you're always going to be the guy that's unreliable. If your emails read like a text message to a mate, you're probably going to get labelled as a little bit of a, a lazy thinker. Mm. Um, if you can't get to a deadline on time and you let that deadline blow out, you're going to be someone that can't be trusted or relied on. So just remember that the way you do one thing is that the way you're perceived about everything. Mm. And one of the things in early career that we often don't do is we're not curious enough and we don't ask enough questions. Yeah, yeah. I think people think if I ask questions, they're going to think I'm dumb or I don't get it or I'm going to be a pain. Be painful. I would encourage everybody new, yeah. ask every question, but do it in a way that's quite constructive. Pick time, pick a, you know, a mentoring time with your boss, a tutorial session with mm. your boss, and download 15 dumb questions in one block, almost like a ticker box exercise. Yeah. Because you've got to respect other people's times. Mm. Now, from a from a, a practical perspective, a big pitfall in early career is the way you conduct yourself socially with work people. Uh-huh. Okay. So I would probably, and there's a follow-up question from you to me here, Matt, but I, I would probably avoid mm -hmm. getting overly intoxicated <laughs> at any work event. Yeah, yeah, okay. And I probably wouldn't date colleagues. So, Fred, you told me that you've made every mistake under the sun. Is this the question that is uh, implied by by that statement there? I'll, 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 I'll Matt, <laughs> I don't like your tone. Um, I will say this. I made those mistakes in my Okay, career. so you have made some of these mistakes then, Fred, yeah? Yes. And there have been times I have I had to ask myself a question. After Friday night, should I be going into work on Monday? <laughs> and Whoops. was it a was it a really good idea to give in to that um, lustful impulse mm -hmm. on Thursday night mm -hmm. after a few drinks, knowing that I would be sitting next to that person on Friday morning in a meeting? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I think, you know, one of the things I'd say that counteracts that, Matt, is that 80% of relationships for young people started in the work environment or formal environments like university. So you're going to have uh -huh. a crap, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. But nobody likes the the person that has to get poured into an Uber at the end of the night. Yeah. Pour into a cab. Yeah, yeah. So just remember. Now, there's one thing I think is interesting, Matt, and I want to run this by you. So, so far, Matt, has anything I've said, you know, fallen out of scope mm. for your generation? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I reckon the experimental one is interesting. Like I'm fully on board with like 12 months. I think it's a really good kind of baseline for most work because, you know, things change. You get to know your team better. You get more in control of the work you're doing. I think the the um, caveat, and I know obviously like this is kind of implied by what you're saying, but I think if there's something like fundamentally wrong with, with the workplace and like, I, I mean, you're on board with that for sure, but whether that's a completely toxic environment or just a reason you need to get out, I think what matters to me is the ability to 
have a conversation with a future employee about that situation, right? <laughs> so it's, does it sound reasonable to the person on the other side of the desk that you left after a month? Does it sound reasonable you left after a year? Does it sound reasonable you left after three years? Like, I think if you can have, if you feel like you can have that conversation, I think that seems to be what matters to me. Is that kind of what you're, you're going with there? I think it's really important. And I, I think you're hundred percent right. The one thing I say about early career is you're allowed to, you're allowed to experiment with jobs. No one's going to stop you. Mm. And it's not going to hurt your work history knowing what you don't like. Mm. One of the things that I think is interesting though, is that studies have been done on this and this is an early career thing um, and if I move jobs now it would happen to me again mm. in your first three months in a new job you will consider leaving no less than seven times yeah 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 okay? that seems fair not because there's anything wrong just because the pain of change and the discomfort of learning can push us to quite extremes from time to time mm. Um, somebody once said to me, and the other aspect of this is often when you're in a new job, and I'm not going to use the words that people use about it now, I'm just going to describe it in my own words, but people will often think, oh my God, you know, if they find out I'm not as good as I said I was, or they work out that I don't know anything, they're going to probably sack me. Yeah, right. And somebody, somebody once said to someone I know, when does that go away? And the person said, I'm 70 and I had that feeling before walking into this room today. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's okay to be aware of the fact that small things become big things early on in a job. Mm. I'll give an example of somebody I know that left a job after a month. They joined a job. It was meant to be collaborative and creative. They joined it to work with senior people. Right. They joined it to get experience in a creative industry. They ended up being put in an environment with a group of people that um, were basically in an admin function, not creative. Yeah, right. There was no discussion. There was no social engagement or interaction. It was a hostile workplace where people were actually angry at each other a lot of times. And that only formed, that only literally formed one reasonable friendship in the first four weeks. That person had a medical incident at their desk and the boss chastised them as they were being let out in a stretcher to an ambulance. And Jeez. this person said to themselves, you know what, I, I don't see myself here long term. No, no, that's cool. The next job they got, uh, they were in for a protracted period of time and created great friendships and long-lasting relationships. So you can, it's okay to have a bad job. Mm. It's an issue with you, though, if you have a sequence of bad jobs. It means uh -huh. there's something wrong with your selection criteria. Now, I want to put one to you, Matt, that's a, a modern-day a modern day issue uh -huh. for early career. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And it's something I didn't have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And that's your social media footprint. I was wondering if that was going to come up. Yeah, okay. So, not something that I do, not something that we've um, had issues with in my work environment, because frankly, what mm. you do in your own time is irrelevant to me. Yeah. But do you think your generation has to be mindful of their digital footprint, mm. given that a lot of employers do background research before they hire people? Mm. So it's a great question. I think it's very relevant to any younger listeners. I think there's three key responses. And I'd start with what you just said, which is you don't really care because what you do in your off time is your own business. And I think that is essential. Like for me, if I'm being like surveilled for what I did a year and a half ago by a prospective business, assuming I have other options, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be at a place that is just going to be stalking me and hunting me down. That feels wrong. And the simple fact is, even if I'm a representative of the company during company time, I don't want my life to be dictated by 
whatever brand I'm associated with in my nine to five or my nine to six, or even if it's a, a, a an eight to eight on the weekends, I need to be able to do my own thing, right? And so I think there's a strong sense that if, if you're out there stalking me on my social media, I don't want to work there at the first instance. Now, maybe I still stick around. Maybe it's my only option. You know, there's, there's reasons why you do that. But I think I really like to hear that from you, Fred, because it's important we realize, I think, in the work environment that what you do in your own time is your own business. That's the first thought. The second thought is um, how interesting it is that this was absolutely hammered home to us during school. So this seemed to be, I think, a part of the moral panic around the um, initializing of social media and around the beginning of the internet as kind of 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. There was this big, big calamity at school about how you shouldn't put things online, about how employers would find out and how you wouldn't be able to get your first job at Macca's because you were in a photo where someone else was holding a beer can underage or whatever, right? And that was kind of the the discourse at school. Now, I reckon that will have evened out a little bit in, in schools. I haven't heard too much more about it um, then because I think culturally we've moved past some of that initial kind of fear of the unknown around social media. And I think that's good. But I do think that like, there's a certain age bracket, I'd say, Fred, that has heard that particular message a lot. And that might be, say, maybe currently 20 to 25 or something like that, or 26. They've been bombarded by, be careful what you put online. It exists forever. Everyone will find out. Mm-hmm. You'll, you'll walk down the street and people will laugh at you. And I think, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it colors, however, our perception of, what it might mean to be cautious about putting things online. Some people have completely ignored that. Some people have internalized it. Um, but I think there is that discourse out there that we're familiar with and it's become more prominent for- Is it real or not that match? And that's the final question. Mindful? Yeah. And so the third, the third point is, does any of this matter? I think to one degree or another, yes. Um, and I think, I think it's because- The unfortunate reality of the modern world is probably that self is brand, right? And I kind of hate that. Um, For me, I am no good at curating that. Um, I've recently been trying to spruce up my LinkedIn thread and God, it is a like pulling teeth for me. I hate writing about myself and putting myself out there. But unfortunately, the modern world functions where you are selling yourself in one way or another, almost, almost in any discipline, almost. And so I think it matters to some degree. I think it matters what you put on LinkedIn, for example. I think maybe even Facebook is maybe a slightly more older or somewhat more formal social media might matter a bit as well. Um, I think maybe there are other social medias. Maybe Snapchat isn't going to get searched by your employer, right? Not many, not many young professionals still use Snapchat, I wouldn't say. But, you know, I, I think there's a question of what do you put where? I think that's a good way to be clever about this. There are some places that it's more acceptable to be a bit more personal and a bit more kind of let your hair down compared to other, other social medias. Um, I think finally, I'm a big fan of just really basic, simple precautions in this kind of space. And so that might be, it might be having a different name associated with a social media if you're going to be a bit more rowdy on it. It might be having like an online tag instead of your full professional name for your Instagram so that uh, on your Facebook, you can be contacted and found by people you meet. They just say, search my name, I'm on Facebook. On Instagram, 
you're with mates out of the pub and you share your Instagram with someone you meet there because yep. that's kind of more more friendly and more more doable. I think there's something to be said for that if you want to be a little bit more um, cards close to your chest. How essential is that? I think it should not be essential. I think there's like a, a 10% this matters or a 20% this matters. But I think the problem is that's because maybe in most situations, not a big deal, not a problem. But you come across that one employer, you come across that one situation, you come across that one thing and you just don't know. And I hate that level of uncertainty, but I think there are simple ways that we can be a bit thoughtful about where we put certain things and about maybe drawing a moderate distinction between um, our kind of accessible and findable profiles and something that's just one step more complex, perhaps. I'll give you my take on this, Matt. Early career, I think... The, what you do in your own time is your own business. And I think the critical piece with that is just be aware that if you don't want your business to be somebody else's business, hmm. take precautions. Yeah, cool. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Mankini photo on St Kilda Beach that you have on your <laughs> social media profile. Oh, you've exposed me, Fred. Oh, I've exposed well. <laughs> the, the, that's the word for it. Number. I'm going to get so many more Instagram followers now, Fred. They're all going to be hunting it down. Absolutely. Um, I think the reality of it is there are, there are some things you do online and there are some things that might impact on you online. So I'll give an example. What you do on your social media is your business. And if you don't want your employer to know about it, take all the precautions of private profiles, different names, et cetera. I think that's important. What you say and what you do represents who you are, though. So if you get caught um, in a, a very divisive political debate where you might be taking a far right view on things, because in your mind, you know, there's, you know, one anointed race of people from God and everybody else is a certain thing. I probably would shut up, never put that online anywhere under any name and uh, count your lucky stars that it doesn't surface. If you get involved in an environment where you're demanding to speak to the manager and throw a soda at somebody over a counter um, because of the service that you didn't get and that's videoed, you are going to be in a world of hurt because it's not your best look, right? And we live in a world where all of that information is key and there is lots of information about how people... America went on a hunt to find a lady that removed herself from a plane because she thought that the person sitting next door wasn't a real person, right? So if you're high, stoned, wired, and that gets on camera, then that lives everywhere. Um, But standards are changing. And and there's an example I give about this. There was a, a cast member on a reality TV show that they tried to out on the show about the fact that that person had an OnlyFans account. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. If somebody said to me, I want you to be aware that we've just hired this person that have an has an OnlyFans account, mm-hmm. my response to that would be, you mind your own business and don't bring me this sort of rubbish again. Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay? uh-huh. What a person does to pay their bills is none of my business. Uh-huh. But I've also had the conversation with somebody that said to me, this new person that we've hired didn't disclose that they had a, they've been before an ICAC, Independent Commission Against yeah. Corruption hearing, and it's all over the internet. Oh, and given crikey. that we take government money, yeah. we're really worried about the perception of that. And in that instance, we had to say to the person, given the nature of what you do here and the nature of what you're accused of there, it wasn't criminal proceedings. Mm. Um, talk us through it. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt and we'll set up some structures that allow you to do your job here, but mm-hmm. safeguard everybody's reputation. Uh-huh. 
So there is no doubt that there is stuff out there. And I'll give an example, Matt. If you're an early career clinician and you do something that breaches ethics, that yes. will never, ever leave you. Yes. Okay. Yes. It's on the permanent record forever. So I think people have a right to a life outside of work. I think in your early career, you've given great advice. Lock down your social media and use aliases if you want to get out there, although people tag people in photos and stuff. Mm. I'm aware of that. I would also make the distinction that LinkedIn isn't Instagram. So you can have a very formal, structured, clever LinkedIn profile, mm. and you can be Matt Mankini on Instagram Absolutely. if you choose to be. Absolutely. I think the other thing about this is, and I would say this to everybody, my last bit of advice about early career is there is nothing that goes wrong that can't be fixed, mm, mm, mm. right? So if you have an OnlyFans account and it's it's put out there and that's an issue, mm. it won't be an issue for the next employer, mm. okay? So long as you're a decent, genuine human being, mm. nobody really cares. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Matt, for example, you may have aspirations for politics in the uh -huh, future. I see, yeah. And unfortunately, this podcast has ruined that. <laughs> it's going to be in the digital zeitgeist forever. That's and, right. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, that's right. I'm not making many friends. But I, I think, I think, Fred, that's a really interesting point that I think is really worth hammering home is that maybe a lot of these things are seen by some people as a proxy for being a decent person, right? And so, like something like an OnlyFans, there are people out there who moralize about sex work. Um, and so, I think the concern it would be, well, that means they're a terrible person and shouldn't work here. I think if we look at the reality of the situation, it says nothing at all about their character. 100%. Um, and so I think what this seems to me to say is that uh, the stuff you put out online may be used as a proxy for who you are. Um, sometimes that's warranted. If you are out there harassing people for no reason, if you're being right, horribly racist or whatever, maybe that's not going to work in a work environment. Maybe there are consequences for that. Maybe you should reflect on those opinions, perhaps. Um, but if you're just caught being a bit sloppy drunk, uh, really, uh, people who are using that as a proxy to say you're a horrible person, I never want to see you again, probably aren't the best bosses for you to work yeah, under sort I, of thing. I would sort of suggest that's a self-select out situation myself. Mm. I want to I want to give you the two things that I wish somebody had to say to me in my early career, Matt. Mm. One is um, take a job for where it's going to get you, not what it pays you to begin with. Oh, yeah, it's a good one. As long as it's fair pay, because I don't think anybody that's any good gives themselves away for less than they're worth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the second thing is don't, take a job unless you can see where it's going to get you promoted at least twice. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean up, it might mean sideways, but always look at what's coming down the track and where you want to go mm -hmm. because each role should be an avenue to what comes next. And if you can if you can't if you're joining an organization and you can't see where it's going to enhance your skills mm. and your human capital, mm. or there are ways to go within that organization, it's probably not a good long-term prospect. It might be a great casual job uh -huh. or a great uni job or a great way to pay the bills. Um, I'll give an example. There are great jobs out there in the gig economy right uh, now that I think uh, are fantastic. Uh, um, one is survey work and those mm. sorts of things. And there's good money to do that. I don't think anybody does that thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a product tester for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, right? yeah. But if you take a job um, and it's the difference between a top tier environment that's the best in their craft or somebody that nobody's ever heard of. Yeah. Um, then you're going to have an issue. And the other thing I would have asked people to say is 
be okay during the recruitment process to want to talk to people that work there now. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, not the boss, but just the punters. Mm-hmm. Because if they if they have no hesitation with that, uh, means they'll curate who you talk to, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the question I've learned to ask in an interview is why do people leave? It's a good one, yeah. Okay. Um, so I think... I don't think you can make too many mistakes in your early career because at the end of the day, it's not definitive. Mm, mm. And lots of people have the mobility to change careers. And I'm glad you asked the question. I think the things that I would do, though, is I would go a little bit easy on stuff. Don't do stuff at work or in a work-based social environment that you wouldn't do at a family wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is a bit tough because some people are very loose families, I'm sure. But... (laughs) Um, you don't want to become an overt problem and the person that HR says you can't come to a social function. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. And we've had to do that in our work environment and say to somebody, hey, you're always welcome. You're a great employee and a contributor, but you're not allowed at Christmas parties because you don't know how to monitor your alcohol. I mean, that's just not a good look. Right? No, no. Yeah. Oh, look, that's really interesting for it. I think I've got one final question because we we talk about how we move around a lot, but your kind of advice about starting off work is looking for those promotions, looking for that future stuff. I'm worried that if I do three different jobs, finding different things out, learning things about myself, that I just stay on that entry-level wage for too long and don't end up progressing or developing. Do you reckon that's yeah. a problem or do you think there's that kind of you can pick a few different areas and construct something that looks really kind of employable and looks like, oh, you've actually moved around, you know your worth and you've tried a few different things and you bring something a bit different. Do you think there's something to be said for that or what? I, I think it's I think it's individual, but I would say this. The thing that I'm more interested in is why people took the chance. Uh-huh. To move. So if somebody said to me, I was there for a year, um, and if somebody says to me, I was there for a year and I learned everything, I'd probably cut them off at the knees. Mm-hmm. But if they said, I was there for a year and I learned what I didn't like, mm-hmm. and it was that I love the industry and I love the work, but the, the methodology in that environment wasn't for me. So I moved to company X mm-hmm. in the hope that I could do what I enjoyed and build different skills in an environment that sort of suited my work style. Mm-hmm. I'd go, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit about that narrative, right? I think that's the the idea that I've come around to is that you want to be able to tell some kind of a story or, or have a conversation with the person on the other side of the desk. And, and if you feel com- comfortable having that conversation, explaining what your reasoning was, that seems to be a pretty good launching place, I'd say. And, and look, people understand the industry, right? So if you say my first job was with Acme Proprietary Limited mm-hmm. and they offered a really great salary and great conditions, but when I got there... It was kind of like a, a soulless coal mine. Yeah, yeah. And most people know that Acme's claim to fame is they pay you an enormous amount of money, but they work you into an early grade. Right. Then not too many people are going to go, that's a problem. They're going to go, tell you why we're different here. Mm. The thing that I look at is, were you smart enough to acquire skills? Not so that yeah. you learnt at all, right? Because yeah. there's nothing dumber than a year in a job and saying to somebody, I learned everything that I possibly could because you didn't and yeah. you sound like a tool, right? Yeah. But developing a skill set that created more worth for you, mm. I think is really important. And the other thing that's okay to say is, listen, I went to uni for four years. I studied fashion. I did fashion for a year and I hated it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And this is why I'm now doing psychology or I'm now doing education. And you go, I get that. You learn what you didn't like. Yeah. 
And my only question is, why is this different to fashion? Well, it's this and it's that, and it suits my body. Well thought out, well considered. Yeah. Welcome to the organisation. Yeah. Well, fantastic. For it. Thank you so much for that insight, because I think that's exactly kind of the questions that I've had about what does it mean to to manage who I am in this young professional kind of space. And I think there's a lot of a lot of comparisons back to uh, back to what it used to be like, even if maybe some of the uh, culture and attitudes are a bit different. So thank you for those insights. I really appreciate it. Matt, as always, it was an absolute pleasure. The last thing I'd say to people, if they're in their early career and they're not sure what to do, ask questions. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast because that'll be really helpful for you. So my question <laughs> was, how do you like and subscribe to this podcast, <laughs> Matt? Well, you go onto your uh, preferred listening app and you select the follow button or you select the like button or you select the subscribe button, depending on what uh, platform you use. Thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in this week to If I Only Knew. Thanks, Fred. Thank you, Matt. And please take down that Mankini photo. It is quite <laughs> It doesn't exist. <laughs>